0: Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. I am Brad, and thank you so so much for joining me today. I really appreciate that. How you doing? You, you holding up okay during this? If you're stuck at home, or maybe you're one of those essential workers that's got to get out there and deal with the uh, the craziness going on. I hope you're doing all right. Um, this thing has changed. Me, you know, since it all started, I've actually started talking to people on the phone again. I think I mentioned that in my last episode. I've had four phone calls this this last week. Uh, that might be an all time record, actually, at least since the nineties. Um, that's more people than I've, or more phone calls than I've had all year up to this point. And I think I'm just starting to reconnect with people because. You know this this whole pandemic going on has made me appreciate friends and just people more in general. One of those calls was to an old friend of mine, John Wessling. So I'm gonna I'm gonna break my usual solo format today and, and play that conversation for you. Uh, he and I have a special bond because we had our coming of age radio story. At the same time You know, we both started as part-time weekend DJs Right out of high school And we just had a crazy ride Over the last, you know, over the four years or so That, that we worked together at various radio stations John is probably a big reason that I even have a podcast You know, he was, he was the first person to give me that confidence that I could do broadcasting You ever have a friend like that Who believed in you more than you did And uh, and you just, you just say Well, this guy thinks I can do it I, I guess I can Well, he was that guy for me And I can't thank him enough um, After our radio days John went on to become a stand-up comic And he has several albums out the latest one is called Warm at First. You can download or stream it on all the major platforms out there. It's so good. Uh, I listen to comedy specials on Netflix while I'm working sometimes. And when I listen to John's albums, I think this dude should have a Netflix special. I know I'm biased, but he's funnier than a lot of folks that I've listened to on, uh, on the Netflix specials. He also has a podcast that he just launched, After Later, with John Wessling. Just make sure you check the show notes. I will include links to his album, Warm It First, and his podcast, After Later. It was crazy talking to him because usually when I meet up with John, it's at one of his shows. And, you know, after he gets off stage, he's got probably, you know, 10, 15 people trying to talk to him. And I'm on babysitter time, so we really, we haven't had a chance to just sit down and talk for years. I can't remember the last time that we had a conversation like this. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, thanks so much. Here's John Wessling. How long has it been since you and I were on the
1: airways together? It would've been in 1997.
0: Yeah, that right. 1996.
1: Somewhere around there. Yes. Ends the 96, beginning in 97, I believe. It's when, I don't know, have you even talked about that uh, era of broadcasting to your listeners, Brad?
0: You know, very briefly. It was actually my introductory episode. I just, and now listening back to it, you know, I just glossed way quickly over it, you know, and uh, I need to revisit that. But no, they, they're not well, intimately familiar with my, oh my radio God. career.
1: Well, well, for those of you who just think you're listening to some sort of Comedian's Podcast, or perhaps some sort of, I don't know, a Yelp review of local coffee establishment uh, a, a, a podcast. But you're lucky to have uh, two uh, Texas, South Texas Crescent Coast radio legends. Let's just be honest about it. Wow, right, Brad? legends. We don't call ourselves that who else left Will. Who even this is knows? true. Who even knows? We're like secret heroes. Brad, <laughs> if there was ever a part in our lives that would have been like a legendary Caddyshack uh, style movie. It would have been the brief period that we were rock and roll radio heroes to Victoria, true. Texas, with a legacy that still lives to this day.
0: That's right. Yeah. The 106.9 The Rock is still in effect, right?
1: Yeah, we, you and I, think about the how, how culture and, and and entertainment has just pervade, permeated into everything, right? We, you and I, were actually responsible for bringing rock and roll to a very small area covered by a hundred thousand watt radio station.
0: You know this is true. Yeah, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, that's uh, that we I know sort of ushered on that now. in.
1: Yeah, I know it's a stepped on area now, and it doesn't doesn't matter. It doesn't seem like a big deal now to everyone with the with the world wide web and information at the click of your fingers. And you want to watch a baseball game, you want to hear a baseball game. It's right there in the hands. But this is. Remember when we started at uh, the KVIC KPLV studios? Yes, in the infancy of our radio careers. This was what our senior year in high school, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, right? and we yep,
0: and we were both weekend part time guys, which you got like the worst shifts. Well, I mean, it depends on how you looked at worst, it. But we...
1: Worst for who? For a, for a high school kid, it was the best ever. Oh yeah, what was yeah, it? <laughs> like six a.m. to two, running nothing but the countdown shows and the syndicated stuff. Oh, and remember the first couple of hours were the reel-to-reel with the church sermons? (laughs) Which, ironically,
0: I would run it hungover, you know? Oh, hungover? We were still drunk. (laughs) And then you would, uh, folks, this is the funniest thing ever. He would take calls in the voice of Rick Dees. Because people would call in thinking that Rick Dees was right right there in the studio. But really, in all reality, you get them on CDs each week.
1: Yeah. In reality, when you're driving through a small area and you pick up a radio station for about an hour and a half on a, on a weekend or a, uh, a weekend night late, chances are you're as a high school kid sitting in there uh, pressing buttons. But the phone still works. You're still sitting in the main studio. It felt like you were sitting in the cockpit of a, of a, of a plane. That's what always excited me about radio is the in-studio vibe of this is a moving thing, right? Like. That, it had tension to it. It had pressure. It was like a touchstone, real. Yeah, but like, yeah, like a like cockpit. The, like you were, gonna, if you fucked it up, it was gonna crash.
0: Oh yeah, it was like the uh, the bridge of the Enterprise, you know.
1: Yeah, and all of a sudden those lights would go off. The scary lights that went off with the phone calls. <laughs> the red light, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 was, the easy one was the red light. The red light was your friend, but the strobe lights that come underneath the that's the, the, the board yeah. and up against the wall in terror. That's yeah. the phone you call. You have to answer, and that's the one that that's scares you That's the program dead. director. <laughs> oh yeah. Do you remember? We remember when I said "fuck" real loud on a Saturday night. Oh yes.
0: Was it, was, remember, it, was, it was. was weather. That, um... Everyone
1: caught me. Everyone caught me. It was. It was. <laughs> it was like nine thirty break. It was those two hours where we got to run live soft AC programming on KVIC. So I don't know. I'm coming out of a hot Pat Benatar tune about to kick it over to some early shania you know it's uh (laughs) maybe a little mariah carey after the break the christmas one anyway it was the it was a a weather bump remember so it would be the last spot on the last stop set of the hour comes out to a 30 second um uh Weather bed. Right, yes. And you're supposed to do the fake, hey uh, the, uh, mostly cloudy through the overnight. Overnight high of 85, looking to be about 65 in the morning. Currently at Port Lavaca, it's 92 degrees. And then you hit the button for the stinger. Remember the two carts? So one yes, was the bed yep. cart, and then there was the stinger cart. <laughs> so we're nervous as shit three different ads a minute you know minute long each have been playing you're sitting there with your headphones on leaning over the microphone kind of like I am now at my own kitchen table and you're just all so quiet with the dial pot turned up all loud. <laughs> and, then, and then right when it's supposed to automatically hit off to the, to the bed, I hit the stinger instead. But the mic was hot. Oh, no. So I'm just getting ready to talk all of a sudden here. And now it's back to you. And I went, ah, fuck. <laughs> all loud. And it was, it was hot in my headphones. And I knew it was out there. And we were running dry pipe, baby. We had no delay. There was no dump if something yeah. got out it got out they were it was unprotected radio <laughs> this that is was so much and, fun. oh Dude, man that, yeah because in high school you would work across the hall at the country station but you had to actually run a yeah. lot of those 12 and 13 in a row song marathons well yeah because country songs cannot be over three minutes you know yeah, it's, it's a how was that why is that a thing what who created that law
0: I I don't know. It seems like pop country. It started back then in the '90s, but you know, three to three and a half minutes—that was the max. Your rock songs mm-hmm. obviously went longer, and uh, but yeah, that was
1: I don't know short attention spans. I don't know. I know, but you, I remember you were you were trapped. You were trapped in there. You're like this is this one's oh, yeah. two twenty. There's a 230, two thirty, you know two forty nine. You know, and, it did. Oh, yeah. and I remember it like we tried to talk in the hall. And you, you remember, it, it was it was it always stuck to me about the way we communicated. Is we talk in the hall like this, but all of a sudden you're, and you have the <laughs> and you have to haul ass all the way into the other room to try to hit that next CD off before the sustained note ends. <laughs>
0: yeah, and they were always cold endings like that. And folks, these weren't like state of the art CD players either. Oh no! Those if you didn't like, already have it loaded, you were dead. It would t- and nothing takes longer than getting a CD to load when there's dead air.
1: <laughs> it's the most when painful my, thing.
0: My dumbass would always just hit stop instead of play. Like most commercial <sighs> CD players at the time would have that disabled, where you couldn't hit stop. But these were like home CD player level, <laughs> <laughs> and I would inevitably hit stop or reject right as I had it queued up.
1: That's the but then worst. from there. Yeah, then you got to wait for it lit. to kick all the way out and then you got to push it all uh. the way back in on the intake and then it has to reread. So that's at least that's 10 seconds. That's a 10 second. Oh, yeah, you. it's brutal. There's no way to come back from that one. You're just like, oh, just hit <laughs> some point. You ever have dead air so long that you had to play a legal ID to come back from it? <laughs> <laughs> got to do it once an hour. So <laughs> I know. Oh, man. But that was so much fun. Yeah. We got to be a part of of. Uh, that, that, that station flipping over, which was the, the most amazing chain of events. And sometimes I have to pinch myself that it really actually happened.
0: Well, you came in all Shakespearean one day, cause we had actually worked <laughs> ourselves up to, <laughs> to like uh, respectable week shifts. We went from part-timers to full-time, you know, on the air. Yeah. And, um, you came in one day and you said, Hey, the owners are in town. So on your request show, make sure you play a lot of rock music. Remember this? (laughs) Yeah, I remember remember
1: this. (laughs) I had already quit a week before that.
0: Yes, you were like planning your your comeback. (laughs) So I I go on. I had like this little, you know, request from like 12 to 1 during the day and – I just started playing all kinds of, you know, the the hardest thing that we had in there, which was strange because it was an adult contemporary station, but on each of these CDs, what are they called? Like mix hits or something like that. Yeah. The gold. You would have, yeah, the gold ones. And you would have old rock songs that were actually good. And, um, it was crazy. After that hour, my phone was blowing up like, man, you're playing some great music today. Because after that, of course, I had to go back to like, I don't know, Brian McKnight or uh, Pebo Bryson, whatever.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Other well, than that like the hardest you could get? was like, man, that was a really good Rod Stewart song. Yeah, they had some yeah. distortion on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Infatuation was like the hardest thing you would hear on the Victoria Airways before we, uh-huh. before John
1: staged this, uh. This takeover. The the hardest thing was telling you about it because I had already gotten in good with the owner when I was upset that that old wasn't rubles, something rubles.
0: Yes. That was the brook. He was, remember,
1: he was making me work overnights, four nights a week, and then like another shift. And and it was exactly 39 hours and he wouldn't give me full time. He wouldn't give me the full time job with the benefits. and all That's right. right? And it was just like, oh, it's brutal. So I wound he up talking to the you owner You had too much personality it. for that guy. Oh yeah, that's what it was. Well, I was a twenty-year-old <laughs> shithead, is what I was. You know what I mean? But he was like,
0: he was the most cheesy, like, quintessential stereotype of
1: a radio guy you've ever heard. You know, like, pocket oh, eighty. Yeah. He, he was the most car salesman-y, fucking, like, honestly, like a subway sandwich shop manager of a human <laughs> being. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which, when you're in Victoria, Texas in, in the early 90s, that's pretty much the – that's a lateral move job-wise. Being <laughs> the program director of local soft AC station is kind of like running a Baskin-Robbins. Yeah, yeah. You know, in, in the socioeconomic scale of – of who are your peers? that would right. be a guy you know <laughs> <laughs> like, oh yeah, I used to work
0: with that guy now he's working at the station but the uh, the, but the yeah. owner
1: who was out of San Antonio, he calls me up one day and I remember I told you that this was in the works and you you thought I was full of shit and I don't blame you. I thought you're crazy. yeah <laughs> I was I was full of shit at the time, right? but so he called up with the idea about orchestrating the the mm-hmm. uh, walking off air and playing rock and roll in the middle of the night. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I, I, of course I did that knowing the owner was cool as shit about it. Yeah. And he even said, oh, yeah, you'll get fired and all that shit, and then I'll call you in a couple of days. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> so awesome. I knew that they were already planning on doing the, the big surprise jump to rock and roll. I was just lucky as shit that I was the disgruntled person who was working overnights. Who was primed and ready to go? I'm happy to play Hot for Teacher. You know, <laughs> 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 remember? And then I, let, yeah, right. I had the whole I had the two gold disc in a row set up because remember it was like, like you were talking about it was five songs of country, five songs of adult contemporary pop shit, and then the the last five was classic rock stuff, right? Exactly, kind of kind of how it worked, mm-hmm. right? It was so yep. yeah the the, PM, the TM Century Hit Disc I think is what they were called <laughs> if I remember. The other yeah, name. that makes. That sounds right. <laughs> so I had the back half of one lined up on one CD player with the, with the sectone to knock off the next one. So I knew I was leaving a good 25 minutes of rock and roll <laughs> starting with, with fucking Van <laughs> Tate, anyone's <laughs> hopper teacher and Tim, remember big Tim that worked across the oh, hall yeah. at kicks one away. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, he ran over because I'm sitting out in the parking lot of, of my apartment yeah, you know, actually, the the ones across the the street between the the station and the the pool hall we used to hang out. Oh at, yeah, yes. The big apartment complex that was right there behind. I'm just parked pull over in that parking lot. I think JJ McKay lived there. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck, that's not. But we had to talk about the baseball stadium at some point. Oh yeah, that was.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe <that. laughs> we. So I don't know if it was you or me, but somebody uh, came up with this idea that we were gonna. You know, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we raise money for the Victoria Parks and Rec Department by just camping out at the baseball park all weekend long and people can <laughs> call and donate money?
1: Well, I know, hold on, there's another thing. Let's just be clear. We invented the whole idea that the baseball park was even in jeopardy in the first place. There was no <laughs> campaign. That's true. <laughs> they weren't going to knock it down and build something better. It was right. We, was, we created the whole. I, like, there was never any money raised, and if there no. would have been, we oh would have known to was... give it to. But yeah, yeah. That, oh. I learned a
0: valuable lesson in that, and uh, you told me it's like it's not what you do; it's what
1: you say you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just uh, basking in bullshit the whole time. Yeah. And they were
0: actually having like a baseball tournament, I think, at the time. Right. And you wound up calling the games. <laughs> you remember that? Well, we heard,
1: yeah, we both we sat there in the in the, in the booth because we were. That's where it was like our home base. Remember, it was up in the the yeah, broadcast. Yeah, that was booth our camp our campground yeah. oh I remember what's his, that dude bringing us like two 12 packs of beer right there in the middle of <laughs> everybody? Oh, yeah. we just had to play it off school. like thank you man let's go right over there by the concession man. <laughs> <laughs> well originally we
0: wanted to do like a billboard thank god we didn't uh, yeah. get that idea past but, management because our just
1: died yeah we i'm, I'm glad that Clearer heads prevailed. At some point, someone had to take a meeting and say, "Okay, we're letting these twenty-year-old guys get away with anything."
0: So you went from overnights under the the thumb of Mark
1: Rubel yeah. to being the more to being the morning show. And and remember, our idea was it was going to be you and me doing the morning show, but well, you were doing middays, right? It was well they, co- they, they they didn't moved really. Us around. Uh, I,
0: so I got, I don't know if you want to call it demoted because overnight at a classic rock station is pretty awesome. But they moved me from midday to overnight at that point because I don't know if you remember this lady. She called herself Aurora Borealis. Oh, yes. Aurora. <laughs> she, hated she hated me.
1: She hated me, too. <laughs> <laughs> Which but I don't want to think ahead, with But the owner. she was a very, you know, yeah. It was her and the owner. And the owner was the cool one. And she was the not so cool one.
0: Right. But so she put me on graveyard 12 to 6. So I was there when John would get off. And so we would just kind of hang out and do like an hour long crosstalk. <laughs> Man, I wish we had some of those air checks. Oh, yeah. I've got some old air checks, but, uh, you know, there I definitely don't have any types of that.
1: Well, it's like Book of Eli now. No matter what you have from back then, you'd have to go on an expedition to find something to play it on, and then what would you, you know, everything's so,
0: like, oh, what was yeah. well, this? Well, i tell you where it's you can go, though. If you do have some of those old air check tapes, just go to Goodwill. Uh, they've got, you know, some uh, st- cassette players are still, still around so oh
1: that's a genius idea I was, I was wondering what you were going with there for a second with Goodwill like the like Goodwill yeah well some of your old recordings are so bad you should just donate them to science <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then after what 96 I moved to San Marcos
1: well, well hold on how did, moved... you, how did you how'd oh. you wind up leaving the station because remember our I was only there for s- six months, if that long, and I started off doing mornings, and you were the late night. Right, and then yeah. I wasn't doing so good, as you can imagine, with my lack of experience playing basically <laughs> fast metal, mon- fast metal Monday mornings. Da 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 I'm fucking, I'm, I'm I'm, and they so they wanted me to chill it out a little bit. I couldn't musically. Remember, our, our music director Alan wasn't really about two years older than us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and he was just as wild. So he was learning his shit. So he wound up taking over the morning show, which I I think I didn't like at the time until I started embracing the seven to midnight rock and roll world. Right. Yeah, that was a lot more fun. But then I was, I'm sorry, I I got fired because (laughs) and this is one of my happiest moments. We were at that (laughs) concert. Right, we were. Th- it was oh, our oh, own yeah. event. Yeah, soak
0: what? Right? Wasn't it yeah, Soak that was playing? And, yeah. and purple Kush, <laughs> purple Kush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Anyway,
1: um, I think our, our what was it, was it? Chris Duarte, we got or the other one. Anyway, yeah. that was our big that was our big party, and uh Alan gives me a big old hit of LSD. <laughs> Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah. And, I then, that night. No. and then tells me that we have to hurry to get back to the station because he didn't, he didn't put the music logs in the studio. And at midnight, we're going to run out of rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I am rolling. I don't even remember which one of us drove, but we drove like mm-hmm. crazy people back to the station. We run in and, uh, uh, Lindy was on air at the time. Oh <laughs> I remember, Yeah, I remember this. Uh, yeah, I remember look. her. <laughs> uh we run in, he doesn't have the keys to the office. The office is locked. And he says he just look Alan just looks at me and goes, You gotta kick that door down, dude. Oh no. <laughs> and then in one swing, one kick, I kicked the door off the hinges like like some of the best episodes of Cops you've ever seen. Like it was just the perfect I watch a lot of Mannix. I can do this. Bam. And uh, he runs in, grabs the music logs off the desk like it's no big deal and runs in and throws them on the on the on the on the board in the studio and it's like eleven forty five. Even so if we'd have been late, do you think developed. she just would have yeah, right. You know, yeah. it was but in Acid Land it was a perfect like we had we yeah. gonna run out of rock and roll at midnight, it was an emergency. Yeah, exactly. Like,
0: you would just hear dead air at midnight had you guys not shown up in that now frame you, of mind.
1: You remember uh, uh, the guy from Kicks on a Weight, uh, Jay? Oh, yeah. In fact, he, uh, he, he recently, passed passed recently passed away. Yeah, right. Ra- J- Jay Richards, right? Yes. And that was a kung fu badass motherfucker. Yeah, he was. And I had just kicked a door open onto his desk. Oh, wow. <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> so I show up the next day and that's how I'm fired. There's you can obviously tell there's way too many cars in the parking lot for a Sunday afternoon shift. And Oh uh, man. Yeah, I'm fired immediately. And hey, you know, and I knew I was going to get fired for it. It wasn't there was no way out of that.
0: But you went out with a bang, not a whimper, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> I mean, that's how you bring rock and roll to the people, right? I mean, Yeah, exactly. If you there's no You know what would have sucked? That story would have sucked if I would have stayed in that job for the next 25 years. Yeah. And if that I, might if have I been, was that... still the old voice of rock and roll for Victoria, I would, that then that's yeah. sad. And Oh, you, great. No, it had to be punk started. So yeah, if you hadn't kicked that door
0: down, you might still be there working middays. <laughs> oh God. Take that back. Take that
1: back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. So I just walked off I walked away from it because I I had that feeling, you know, that I was going to wind up like 30 years from there, you know, kind of burn out, uh, mad that I never really, you know, took a chance or followed anything. And I don't know, for me, I couldn't see really a future in radio because we had already been replaced by satellite at one station yep. and we went there. And you know it's a it's a high turnover business, and I just didn't want to move around that much because you're basically like a nomad. You know, yeah. If you it, if you're
1: at that point too, trying to climb from small market up, you got to surf. I mean, that's ten years of moving every year if you're
0: lucky. Exactly. Yeah, to get yourself in in the know uh, of the right
1: contacts and everything. And so, now looking back at the business you would have only, only had about really five years before all of those kind of jock things, no matter what the format, were completely driven out. That's true. We were sort of the last of the
0: era where you actually played live music. Uh, you know, there was a guy in the booth. I mean, I'm sure larger markets still have that, but I think it's all, you know, they're just rolling MP3s and automated stuff now,
1: right? They're voice to... tracking. They're oh. Voice, they voice track stuff, and and everything's just kind of... I mean a studio has turned into uh, a conference room with just a microphone in it. Is the whole thing's being run by a giant computer in the cloud essentially. It just tells wow. you when to talk and it puts it in there for you. There's it's it's all automatic now. Now did you, you know. encounter that cuz you went
0: to KLBJ for a while there in Houston, right? Uh KLOL. Yeah, I was uh, KLOL, I, sorry. I,
1: and I never got to I never got to work any kind of board. I was never any kind of uh station producer. I was just That was like a creative team. I was one of the writers at the very end of Stevens and Pruitt, and then the first show they did after that, the Grego, Pruitt, and Boner. Uh, And so that was, it was so cool though, dude. It was, it was exactly as awesome as, as we thought it would be, you know? It was, it
0: was fucking cool. That was a very fun time. You guys just sit around and brainstorm ideas and then give them to them for the next day. Like, how did that work?
1: Uh, Both different ways. Uh, I would, Okay, I'll go from the end of one show. So when one sh- show was over, like right at ten o'clock, uh, I'd have about forty-five minutes while they're winding down, uh, getting feedback and ideas for bits. There's usually be about four or five segments I gotta fill of a whole show, right? So uh, I'd kind of get the stuff that they wanted, things i have been pitching that they might agree to, uh, and then I would just pile up headlines, stories of the news, you know, just like weekend update style.
0: Okay. So I'd write, a, I'd write a bunch of
1: those. And I was, you know, in Houston. So I'm going out to the, the laugh stop and all the other comedy clubs every night. And I'm, I've got a couple ideas, workshop, got a couple spots here and there. I'll throw the lines out. I'm hanging out with my buddies. I'm coming up with voices and shit. So then I, I stay up late writing crash out from about two to the, to about five thirty. wake up, run across the street, go and go right along in the, in the show with them. So I was in the room writing. So I had sheets of paper And I'm coming up with the lines, and I've got hand signals, and I'm popping people little little Post-it notes with with lines on them as they're going. Plus, I was pre-writing all the scripts for, uh, like, when they would do little game show segments and things like that. Anytime they they were playing games with listeners or callers or any of that kind of shit, I was writing all that stuff out, so kind of keeping it moving. And that was a really – that was a fun job, dude. That was like – I was the content live producer. And that's when, you know, next to Brian Shannon – who is the mm-hmm. you know the the head you know yes boner? He's running the show, and he's you know running he was running the boards, and they have reel-to-reel at the time back in the day. Remember that shit? Oh, oh Okay, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. he's like one of those men in black creatures that works at the at the post office with the eight <laughs> arms. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Now that sounds man. I bet that was such a rush.
1: It was. Know, it was great. It, moment like that it was fun. Like you, you could, it made it feel like what we liked about the idea of radio growing up was that, that it was, it was that hot spot, man. It was that mm. this is where the, this is the exact place to be. Like, I know it didn't sound like much if you're from wherever, but you know, there I was in the studio with them kind of right next to a mic and on mics doing a whole bunch of extra stuff. And I'm like, for a good, you know, giant group of, millions of people. This is like what they're listening to, right? This was, this was oh, when they yeah. were pulling in like 13, 15 point ratings. I mean, they were this by is before
0: far, way, way before podcast or streaming. Anything. Oh, yeah. So people tuned into radio back then.
1: The people, like if they ran late on that eight o'clock hour, so many people would be late to work that it would like affected the economy of Houston. <laughs> 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 like If they didn't get out, Ten minutes before eight so that people could actually run in from their car to their desk, uh, then they would right. get people oh. in trouble. Like it was it was a big deal. So it, like it felt you get that nervous tension, that nervous energy from it. And it kind of, you know, makes you makes you faster, makes you clearer, you know, with your with your your heart kind of beating up in your you know in your neck.
0: yeah. I imagine yeah. it's like the you're like the floor of the stock exchange only you're writing down jokes instead of trades, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, for real, for real. And, and I learned one of my, my the best lessons in radio I got from them uh, was watching them work. And you get you you it's like a, a jam band, right? Mm, and yeah, you're, and and you're a lesser instrument trying to f- work your way into the circle. So you have got to kind of stand on the periphery and see how they how they groove, right? Right, and yeah. And you learn that they've got a they've got a tempo to way they the way they work in the room and the way the studio feels. And they would never pre-interview anybody. Like oh, they would. Wow. It's not like as soon as we'll be right back after this. And as soon as they went to break, it's not like all of a sudden they would bring the guests in and introduce them and all that other shit. They would bring These them people in. People would just walk in like live on the air while they're. That's talking. what they would do. It's like with And now it's time for our guest. And basically point at the door and they would open the door and the producer would have them right there and they would you know right (laughs) just right right to a mic and and so they would always meet people live and if uh and no one ever talked during the breaks like as soon as they would go to break then Mm. you'd think they'd take off the headphones and they're talking a bunch of shit you know uh but nope they would save it for the show and they only talked on the radio unless it was you know you know, I'm, you got to whisper and kind of if you know it's necessary kind of information shit. But other than that, everyone was just quiet. Even if they were at a hot conversation going and everyone was just dying laughing, they would just stop and try to hold that energy. And then they come uh, back and, and yeah. be able to spring right back at it. And it really was amazing watching how they did that. And I always cool. thought about that. I'm like, you know, what I mean, meet don't, you don't pre-interview because then you're saying stuff like, well, like we were saying earlier, you know, when we were talking earlier, you said the thing about your dog, whatever. <laughs> you know, so you wind up. Jerking each other off talking about a time you talked one time. Right, yeah. It's better to be like, hey, yeah. how are you?
0: <laughs> yeah, you want to keep it fresh. Yeah, you don't want to lose that. And that's yeah. cool. That is. And so during this time, you're working the morning show at KLOL, and then by night you're doing stand-up comedy?
1: Yeah, no, I, I had that that gig with with uh uh Greg O'Pruitt and Boner for about a year and it was the very oh, okay. end of the time that they were at the traditional K L O L studios. The ones yeah. that were on Love It, right? The the classic have been there forever. It was one half was K L O L the other half was KTRH, the new station. Right. And yep. uh, they were they were leaving that location. They had been bought out by Clear Channel and they were joining the giant tower with uh, all the other, you know, basically, and entering the beast of, of corporate radio. Yeah, welcome and, to the machine. So I was, and I, I I went with them through that transition to the new station, uh, for only about I'd say not even a month, maybe six weeks, because it just it didn't have the same vibe. It wasn't like it wasn't across the street from me anymore, you know. Like, I used to live in the neighborhood, so it was kind of real easy for me to roll out of bed all fucked up and and, hung over and go right across. And once I had to go outside of the galleria to go to work at 6 a.m. in the morning, it turned into work and not the thing that it was. And like most of the events of my 20s and 30s, then stand-up started picking up again. So all of a sudden, I was getting a bunch of work on the road, so I would just sort of, well, that was fun. Now comedy's dragging me back away from a radio again.
0: Huh. Yeah. So that was kind of just a natural progression. And was that, I mean, did you ever have any sort of transitional quote unquote day job, <clears throat> excuse me? Or did you just go straight from, you know, uh, radio to comedy at that point?
1: Well, it's all sort of overlapping. I mean, you know, a lot of creatives when you're in, they talk about now being the gig economy. I'm like, that's been my entire adult life is <laughs> the gig yeah, economy. right? You know what I mean? You're like, I I invented this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've done side jobs and stuff all along, but it's 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 tough to do because you know when comedy is going well, it's full time and you don't even think about it. But yeah. sometimes things come up and there's giant gaps in your bookings, and you've got mm. two months that you 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 know that it's only two months that you have to fill because then work kicks back up again. You have it scheduled, you know where it is, but so for two months, what are you going to do? Right. So, yeah. uh, what we had that worked great in Houston was comedy defensive driving school. So, you would learn how oh, to teach nice. the ticket dismissal classes. Yeah. Six hours, a 10 minute break every hour, 30 minute lunch break. Uh, you play a bunch of videos, you make them take quizzes you sign a thing at the end everybody leaves happy right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but it's a good it would it pay 150 a class sometimes up to 250 oh, nice. a class if it was full of 50 if you had 50 people you get paid 250 right so yeah. you have a big full class on a saturday or sunday that would cover your nut for the week right mm-hmm. so you could do that while you were in town actually you could do that anywhere in texas that had the same uh the same what's it called curriculum that they used and a lot of the comedy clubs had this business on the side and they all had the same thing so i could i could go work up at the comedy club in uh at hyenas in dallas fort worth and they used the same uh comedy defensive driving curriculum so i'm teaching their classes during the week while i'm up there telling jokes and sometimes it was tell jokes for one week but teach classes for two
0: oh, right okay.
1: so you know y- you'd wind up so that was that was perfect. Inside Texas, that was a perfect little side job. But I would, you know, pick up bartending shifts. I would. Right, uh, right. I'd, I'd, I'd waited tables. I'd like cater waiting and shit like that. There were, a lot of us had done real quick things like that. You just, you know, when you're around. Um, I had you friends. You pick up a lot of material waiting tables, I would think. Oh, absolutely. Oh, just the tendon bar. And, you know, especially with, just hanging around service industry around Houston was, that was the, the soul of comedy for about 20 years. Yeah. You know, but it's it's that kind of stuff. Like um, I'm trying to think when we lived in L.A., when we moved to to Los Angeles, um, same thing. You've got big projects that you work on for months at a time and then they end and then it's going to be another two months before the next one that you're already hired for starts.
0: Hmm. So you're
1: like, what am I going to do? I can't leave L.A. for two months. So right, I had a, right. I was delivering uh, private chef food for rich people. Oh, nice! I, it was the coolest. This <laughs> kind of re my love for radio again. So it was right after. Oh, my, really? My, when my oldest daughter was a was a baby, um, I picked up this side hustle because I had to I had to get off the road for a while, and the road was my my, my primary source of income at the time. Mm-hmm. I was going from doing forty forty five weeks a year. Uh, to off the road for a year and a half completely, so while I'm oh, wow. stay at home dad with her, um, I had I picked up this job delivering food for this company called NutraFit. <laughs> I remember was, them. Yes, <laughs> it was it was yeah it was uh, chef made food for rich people wanting to lose weight. So. Right. I would I would show up and they'd have these green cube bags all packed up all with the addresses on it and this was pre smartphones so it was uh. and here's the printed up map quest <laughs> and I had to have a oh, Thomas yeah. guide for, for you know for living in la yeah and, and then I would basically just drive all night to about these 45 different places and drop off these bags in oh, strangers wow. houses yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I'm driving around listening to Coast to Coast AM all night. I'm driving around listening to overnight sports talk wow. radio the whole time. So it just yeah. chews up the miles, man. I mean, I'm just yeah. popping through it and working it, and and as the bags get emptier, and I'm thinking about jokes and and I'm I'm working on radio personalities and some sort of you know strategies and and being able to kind of do talk radio. But yeah, it was it was, it was fun, and then you know go it, it was one of the. One of the weirdest and best moments, like, like small eras, not eras, but just a a season I kind of had to do delivering the food. Yeah. That was, it, wow. <laughs> but it was, it was famous people. Like, uh, the guy, the creator of the Simpsons, Matt Groening. Oh like, yeah. I, I basically yeah. fed him for three months. No kidding. three months. Wow. I was dropping off three <laughs> times a week, his days at a time of, of meals. So if he lost weight somewhere around 2007, 2008, uh, I played an integral part to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, man! One time I was delivering food to uh, Dennis Quaid's house. Oh really? Huh. Yeah, uh, his it was for his wife actually. So uh, and her last name on our thing wasn't. We had that several times where it was uh, famous people, but we we're delivering food to a, uh, an alias at the address. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you just sort of oh okay. But anyway, this one was his wife's name. I can't remember her name right offhand. But they weird ass place up in the canyons, you know, outside of Malibu. I'm driving up into the woods. I've got like this old Jeep Grand Cherokee. And uh, the only door they have is is like a, a, a remote sliding giant stone gate. Like, it's just what the fuck am I supposed to do? Yeah, <laughs> right. And It says clearly <laughs> on the thing deliver at front door in area marked food delivery like like okay all caps like this is yeah oh shit they're not messing around so i've got to get this so i just climb over this giant gate and i'm and i'm talking out loud like i'm food delivery please don't shoot me i'm not <laughs> bad guy yeah i'm like whatever it is as soon as yeah. i get on the other side of the fence there's a enormous horse like a stallion really he like right there like like I'm in his area and he's like what the fuck dude and I'm just like whoa <laughs> hello <laughs> Mr. Horse so just hopped over into a stable yeah that's what it felt like but it was he was just in their yard their yard was evidently okay. just an open air stable for this magnificent horse it was very like, fucking it, it really <laughs> was like a magnificent horse like holy shit like a <laughs> like a Kentucky, Kentucky Derby winner they just keep as a yard pet now. yeah Right. And I walk up to the door and I put the food down. Of course, I'm thinking I'm clearly being surveilled by several <laughs> entities at right. this point. And I just put the thing in the little taped off area right at the door as instructed. And as I'm turning and leaving, I just sort of see an exhale of cigarette smoke. And red light kind of on the on the, this patio. And I stop and I'm like, oh, like that. And it's fucking Dennis Quaid. How about that? And he's like, I saw you you coming over the fence. Just so you know, (laughs) on the way out, there's a button right there in that little stand. If you hit that, it'll open so you don't have to climb over it again. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) Your Dennis Quaid is on point there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you really get the essence of an impression when someone scares you to death. Yeah, yeah, it sticks with you. (laughs) Yeah, and, and I just... I oh, okay, thank you, sir. So scared the shit out of me, and he laughed, and oh, then wow. he, he offered me a cigarette and talked to me about how uh, uh, he and his wife were trying to lose weight for the GI Joe red carpet. <laughs> GI Joe red carpet. <laughs> yeah, there was the the GI Joe movie he was in. Where I guess he was. Oh, uh, okay. sar- gotcha. Yeah, he was the he was the sergeant. Whatever. I guess he yeah. was Joe. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah. And then I uh, I smoked half a cigarette with him, and then went over and hit the button, and he waved goodbye, and I fucking took off and listened to more George Norrie talk about uh, pyramids. Uh, Is George Norrie still around? I don't know. Yeah, George doing. Yeah, yeah, he's still around, but now now he's the super old guy who takes the days off. Remember, Uh, Art Art Bell was that originally, and Art Bell was amazing, but then you know he he fucking he was dying from cancer for twenty five fucking years, man. You know. He, that old goat yeah. kicked for a long time, boy. He, he that was a 10-8 round him versus cancer. But <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. You know what I mean? Like he he did. He, he's a boss. All respect yeah. to, uh, to to Art Bell. But now George norrie has been around forever, and he's the old that's guy. True. And uh, yeah, that's. But I don't know. I think that we've lost the mystery of that overnight spooky kind of. Uh, uh, radio show anymore because it's yeah. the same way we don't have a Tonight Show that's the same as Johnny Carson because there's so many options now that none of them feel special, right? Mm. I never that's, thought of it that way. That's, that's the bad thing. That's the bad thing about yeah. having you know fifty thousand choices for your entertainment on a nightly basis when there used to only be yeah. four. It's an, an, you know, an embarrassment of riches. Well, it just it dilutes so much that nothing means enough. Not that nothing yeah. means anything, but. Like, okay, for, as a comic, right? Like in the 70s and 80s, if you're on Carson and he invites you to sit on the couch, like that was the the sign of you did a great job. Yeah. If he, after you're set, he asks you to sit on the couch. That next morning, you are a celebrity. You are now a famous hmm. person and are about to start making fucking guest appearances on, on right. uh, you know Fantasy Island and shit. You know yeah, what I mean? Congratulations, yeah. you are now a famous person. Now, That's true. Yeah, dude, I, I've got friends that have done all of the late night shows over and over and over again, and they're dead broke and they're doing day jobs really shit because wow. that stuff doesn't. It's not enough to push you over the top anymore. There, there's no. It takes forever. Like one of the funny things in comedy right now is it takes twenty years to be an overnight success in this business.
0: <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Because yeah, yeah. You, you think like, oh wow, who, who's this guy, John Wesley? He must be this new guy, but no, you've been doing this for gosh what over twenty years now, right? <laughs> oh,
1: fuck yeah, you do. Yeah, we're, everyone I know, all the comics I know that are really good. I mean, they aren't no one's worth a shit until year ten. You don't even know who you are yet until year mm. ten, yeah. and then year fifteen, everyone goes through fuck this, I hate this, and tries to throw their act away, and then yeah. you get past that like a like a comedy puberty. It's like an yeah. existential crisis, right? Oh, yeah, it really is. Yeah, it's a, I'm throwing everything away. I, I, what am I doing? My parents are right. I'm going back to college. I'm going to be a nurse, whatever the yeah. fuck it is, you know? <laughs> Sorry. But you held on.
0: You did not – that's one of the things that I've always admired about you is that you you don't give up. I remember uh, you told me a saying once, and it really stuck with me. I don't know if you remember this, but it was during a time we were getting fired at one of the stations, and – I was really down about it. And you said, look, all this shit in the room, there's got to be a pony somewhere.
1: I just have to keep digging. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? that? That's one of my favorite stories. It's the, the optimist and the pessimist. Yeah, it's the identical twin kids. The one's a pessimist, one's an the optimist. They put the pessimist in, in the room full of toys and the pessimist kid in a room full of shit. <laughs> Yes, they, get, they go to the pessimist kid and they like, why aren't you playing with the toys? Goes, well, they're just going to break. Mm, <laughs> they go to the right. optimist kid room and he's just whistling and digging. <laughs> what are you so happy for? Well, all this shit. There's got to be a pony in here somewhere.
0: <laughs> that's where it came from. I forgot the, the rest of that story. Uh, that's yeah. funny. Well, I'm glad that yeah, stuck you, with
1: you. That's a good one. That's a good one.
0: Yeah, it really did. You know, now when things get tough, I kind of that story kicks in in my subconscious it just sort of goes off i'm like oh yeah you know worked out well for john (laughs) i just have to keep looking for that pony
1: hey don't get me wrong dude there's been times where i probably should have quit (laughs) you know what i mean where the the smart decision overall may have been to quit and you know i i'd love to tell you things were rosy sunshine and daisies but man with everything that's going on with the, the quarantine and how live gatherings in mm-hmm. general are essentially verboten. And, yeah. um, uh, dude, I mean, a good 75% of the gigs and income I was doing were cruise ship gigs, and that might just not even be a thing anymore. You know no what I mean?
0: kidding. And, like, and weren't you about to get on one right before this thing hit?
1: Dude, a day before. I was supposed to get on a ship on the 14th of wow. March. I was supposed to be getting off that ship tomorrow, in fact. No uh, kidding.
0: Yeah. Man, yeah. so glad you didn't, it wasn't a day earlier or, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm glad see, you, you might, didn't get on that you ship. You might be, but I
1: would have gotten paid more if I'd have gotten on that ship. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. You don't get danger pay if you don't go into the danger part, you know?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I heard something. That there's another ship out there that they're trying to figure out what to do with them because, you know, there's a lot of infected people on there and they're not getting off anytime soon. Uh, I just can't imagine anything like worse than that. Just being marooned on this boat. You know what I mean? Uh, you oh. know what I mean?
1: Well, I'll tell you just from the limited, uh, amount of cruising and stuff I've done as a crew member, which I'd say a good five and a half, six years of assorted different cruise lines and, uh, traveling, you know, m- majority, uh, Caribbean ports, but South American, Central American, a little bit of Pacific, uh, if you're worried about cruise ships being dirty, that's 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 nothing compared to the other 80% of uh, industrial vessels and cargo shit that uh. is just fucking teeming with uh, end of the world shit right now. Like those are <laughs> Yeah. At least my ships, the ones that, the one that I go on, they're trying to clean those fucking things up. These other ships you hmm, get got nineteen rando Indo Chinese guys who don't own shoes, who have just been scurrying around at the bottom in the bilge water of some cargo ship for you know nine months at a time, and then they wow. pull up and they pull up and scatter and run. You're like, ah, there's diseases <laughs> that just got loose that that don't even exist yet. Oh my wow. <laughs> Yeah, like turbo shit growing on them. You know, yeah. that that's who, that's what's going to wind up kicking off a zombie thing. Is some of the stuff that grows in the cargo vessels uh, all over the oceans <laughs> of the world.
0: It's got its own unique ecosystem going on down there. Is oh, dude,
1: you have no idea what goes. No one has any idea what goes on down there below about deck B. Once you get below deck oh, B, oh, it's literally mystery and <laughs> magic. At some point, holds the ship together. I don't know. Who knows what happens below deck B? <laughs> you
0: know, on yeah, any right. on any vessel,
1: honestly. But but man. you know, shit, man, Brad. I mean, I. They've gone out of the way. It's like the Truman Show. So now it's very, very difficult to do the main thing that I do. Yeah. Right? You know? Right, right. I mean, all, hell, getting off ships and doing comedy clubs and other live shows and bar gigs and one-nighters, that kind of was the fallback plan. Like, I can hustle yeah. every day on the phone and scare up gigs and, and keep food on the table, no matter how right. rowdy and shit they might be. You know? But now, I that, like, it's taken... <laughs> Everything. It's get it cut it all the way yeah. out. So it's like right. at what point? I mean, sure, I'm trying podcasting again. I've I've had a couple of successful runs at doing this. If there's anything that I'm going to do that's going to try to keep my, my skills sharp, it's probably going to be this. I don't think I'll be doing crazy, you know, streaming video stuff with other comics. I don't, I don't feel like showing off my cave environment. <laughs> yeah. But, but what point? How many months go by before it's like, well, fuck it. I gotta go get a job. I gotta go get one of those side gigs now for a few months at uh, Trader Joe's or, right. or, or or anything else. You know, when when yeah. do I go back to that? Because this is extraordinarily weird and different. How is it affecting like your work and your environment?
0: Well, I'm lucky in that you know I work for you know a i've got it's funny you were you're were given that the last time i saw you the last time that my wife and i were out before this whole lockdown happened was at your show and oh, wow. uh, you you were heckling one of your audience members about being a programmer or something like that he i forgot what his answer was you're like what do you do sir he's like oh i work with computers um so i have one of those jobs you know, <laughs> <where I> can, <laughs> hey that's uh, a a smart, going, oh man that's glad. a smart
1: move for the future brad you know, and this world gets taken over by robots. We're gonna need people who can talk to the robots. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's a crazy. Yeah. It's I see it all the time, every day. That's what I do. Uh, for a lot of what my job is automating things to where it takes out the human uh, mistake factor. And sometimes ah. people say, "Hey, can you make it to do this?" And I say you, you really want it to, I mean, like, but yeah, yeah, it's I'm better lucky, if you, you know. don't
1: tell it to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> really? Cause it just everything. told me to fire you. So I don't know.
0: <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm blessed because I can do it from home. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I don't want to say I'm immune to this because my wife's a photographer and that's a very personal job like yours. Like you have to have someone, you have to have a subject, you have to have an yeah. audience. You know, she could so. do like a
1: telephoto lens.
0: Yeah, right. We get one of those one like they use at the Texans games. Yeah. But, uh, well you know
1: think about it, like if you're gonna get a lot of you know, a lot of people at this time of year wanna take the pictures where they're laying out with the blue bonnets, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, just, you just, she just basically really far away. Yeah. She just send him the coordinates. You just lay out in those blue bonnets, honey, and you just face Southeast and you smile. And yeah. And, uh, Time to invest
0: I'll... in a drone. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, That's a great idea. You can
0: still do all those
1: things from a distance. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, you were the first podcast I ever heard. The Whiskey Brothers.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't...
0: Yeah. Uh, that was that was back before it really blew up, I think, or.
1: We were ahead of the curve and, and were never able to profit from it in any way, shape, or form. Really? <laughs> that turned still... into just a demanding, expensive hobby, man. Yeah, uh, that's too bad. You guys were good.
0: I mean, that's what, the like I said, the first podcast I heard. And to me, when I heard that, I said, this is what
1: radio used to be. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. And I, I enjoyed doing it. And it was uh, a fun thing. We're all still friends. They're, they're oh, still good. doing them. I'm just, uh, you know, when I had to spend so much time working on the ships... I just couldn't invest the time and the and and be available as much as I should have, you know, for Whiskey Brothers stuff. But um, right. yeah, they're still rocking and rolling. But I, you know, but also that's a little bit of the problem I think too is that they're still just kind of doing the same thing, and it's not my thing. You know what I mean? Uh, if that makes well, sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, because
0: it's sort of like a creative marriage, you know. Uh, yeah. One of the one of the reasons I I do it solo is that I can, you know, I have complete creative control you know and i can i don't have to depend on anybody to be there on time to to do the work um, but you know there's limitations to that too are you are you planning on keeping your your uh your podcast now uh just solo or are you doing you're doing to sort of branch out and do some interviews with your comics
1: comic i really friends? i really enjoy uh solo hosting like those were always yeah. my favorite to listen to cuz it just I like the uh, the old classic um, a number one and a number three, basically an uh, a, an A host who but has a a, a hot or an active mic uh, producer that they can talk to like a little buddy. Basically, it's a Johnny Carson and a and a sidekick. You know, what I mean, an Ed McMahon. Right. Okay. I think what I'm going to do with my podcast because I've been playing with this idea for a while uh, is I'm just going to record conversations with a bunch of my uh, oldest dearest friends and influences and and uh, people I've had uh, uh, times and experience and history with and just sort of reconnect and re- and catch up and just see what the contents of those conversations lead to and hopefully that's a, an interesting walk through uh the world we're in does that make sense
0: yeah absolutely well and then the, the if something comes out of that, that we'll see yeah well, you know, there's a lot of them out there. It's a crowded space, but this isn't your first rodeo. You know, uh, I think, you know, how to make some, you know, how to create an interesting piece of content out there. Well, thanks, um, man. So, you do too, man. Yeah. I really
1: enjoyed listening to your, to, I've listened, enjoyed listening to you work solo. And, and I like it. I, I, I want to hear uh, more of it. How do you feel about doing it? How do you feel about just talking to yourself?
0: it's i'll be honest it was a little weird at first and there's been times where i just just thought to myself this would be so much easier if i had a co-host um but (laughs) i record at such odd times you know and you know how it is i only have one kid so i kind of feel bad about saying this but i'm
1: very busy (laughs) (laughs) john has four so he's got me beat um yeah but you know i give them very even even neglect You know what I mean? (laughs) If you can ignore one kid, you can ignore four. They're
0: fine. No, but I'm looking forward to see where this goes for you because, uh, you know, the beautiful part of it is that, you know, if this thing takes off, uh, when it takes off for you, you know, you'll be able to work from the comfort of your own home. You know, you don't have to, to travel, be away from the family.
1: That would be cool. That is the dream, you know what I mean. And it's it's yeah. always been difficult for me as I've yeah you know, I, I ventured into sports talk radio for a while and I looked at how to do a show from anywhere, but it always seemed to me like it was important. And it's just got to be our Gen X hardwiring, and especially our growing up on radio in Victoria, is it feels like if you're not having a broadcast, if you don't have a broadcaster behind it, then it's not a real thing. You know what I mean? Like I've always. Huh, yeah, even though I've been an early adapter and way behind uh net broadcasting and 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 putting things out, publishing things, and, and, and the way podcasts work, but I still wish I wish we could find a way to where you can still feel that big moment, big studio vibe that we were talking about, you know, what I mean, that right They yeah. gave us the rush when we were young because I don't feel like that anymore. Like, ah, interesting. Like, okay, like I look at like Rogan, like Rogan's podcast and the way those guys run that thing, that almost has that feel, doesn't it? Like that's that's true. Yeah. But that's I wonder how many that aren't like even the the great podcasts that are out now that are getting millions and millions of listens, even if, if they're just sort of recorded, edited and then published, they don't have a live vibe to it. Does it feel just like like it does right here, like you and me sitting here? you know kitchen table kind of conversation i want to well, have, I, think, I want the big deal right how do we get the big deal
0: yeah but i think there's also a side to this that people really gravitate towards i think one of the reasons that podcasts are so popular is that people can have it anytime they want they can have it on their schedule now whereas when it's live you know yeah you might have a lot of listeners but it's it's sort of this moment that lives and then it disappears. You know what I mean? Yeah, man, that's beautiful. That's exactly it, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah, I guess you know. I'm looking at it like, well, it can be preserved. You know, my our kids can listen to this in 20 years. You know, uh, <laughs> well, that kind I get of thing. it. it feels... I get where you're coming
1: from. You know, no, no, I, I, I know. I, I like the fact that it has a very one-to-one personal connection when you do this, like. When you podcasting, when it really is so many people just listening to it in their headphones or whatever, while they're doing chores and whatnot, it's you and the listener, boom, very intimately talking to each other yeah and i don't think you get that same vibe feeling if you're from a hundred thousand watt blowtorch you know you're right. then you actually yeah. feel like you're yelling through a, a bullhorn you feel like if you scream too loud yeah. toilets are going to shatter in Baytown. <laughs> you That's know true yeah. but i i think what too another thing that i i'm starting to get well, maybe it's because we're getting older brad um Especially now that you've got one kid, boy, you're instant you're an instant pawpaw now. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm starting to like slower things and more intimate conversation and more like longer attention span kind of thoughts and I don't like being a part of comedy shows that are just like raucous laugh at each other. I don't wanna think about comedy as killing anymore. To me it's more yeah. about, you know, good, solid Curated entertainment as opposed to howling energy. You know, you know, the greater part of my adult life, my entire identity has been that I'm a stand-up comic, and I've, you know, lived dirt fucking cheap and and been chasing dreams and driving all night for for years and years and years. Right. right? And it was a calling. It was a drive. It almost had I like a like a military furor to it. You know, yeah. I was just gung ho, badass. And I just, and I think it happens to 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 service members too. Once they get that year twenty, and they're an old crusty sergeant, they're like, uh, "Fuck this!" <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, you know, we we say all the old times like, you pay all these dues and no one cares when you get to the end yeah. of it. You know. So now I'm just like, "Fuck it," you know. Now that I, now I'm hoping that my reckless nihilism is going to be the 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 brand new thing. At this point, I'm like, "Screw it." Yeah, I tried forever and I couldn't get the brass ring, but now that I've just gone to blah, 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 you know, old man stupid <laughs> jazz, dad jokes and gardening tips. I mean we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you never if, know. if everyone goes crazy like I am, well then this is gonna work out great for me. Well, we are <laughs> I might in crazy still times, be delivering right? food. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, it's batshit it's batshit thirty out there. Who knows what the world's yeah. gonna be like in six months? That's why this is this is uncharted territory. It seems ridiculous to talk oh, about like what my comedy career is when three months from now could be season one, episode two, of fucking Walking Dead, and I'm out looking for insulin and canned corn. You know, yeah. <laughs> Who gives this a is... fuck about my podcast whenever i got to board the windows because there's bird box creatures outside fucking st- making us want to kill ourselves. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know. We don't even fucking know. This is know. true. Yeah. yeah. So I see comics and friends of mine that are posting stuff and like with the here's my Patreon and send me this money and just come on.
0: Yeah. At
1: this point I'm like, everyone's about to be so broke that I don't want to ask them for their five dollars. I wanna I wanna give them my five dollars. <laughs> right. So it's yeah. like no. at this point I feel like it's almost money neutral with comedy. That doesn't feel like a right way to take people's money at this point. When everything uh, was cool, I'd be more than happy to sell a ticket to you and have you buy four or five drinks, get my cut and say thank you very much and we all leave happy. But now, fuck, everyone's broken, losing their jobs and can't leave the house and you know, yeah. a sneeze is a is a deadly weapon. That's true. Fuck. But fuck. But I would man. say
0: you know, that maybe people need laughs now more than ever, you know, oh, yeah, uh, I knew
1: you were going to say that. You knew I was going there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to turn you into a social justice warrior yeah. here. No, I like it. I like it. Did uh, Jerry Lewis
1: make a movie about a clown that helped kids get killed in the Holocaust? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, oh, I can't remember what it's called. You got to look it up. Look up I'll Jerry Lewis, Jerry Lewis, Holocaust clown movie. <laughs> <laughs> you think i'm kidding but it's it's that it's that's how it to huh yeah we need <laughs>, laughs now more than ever i think of myself as the jerry lewis okay. oh no <laughs>
0: holocaust clown <laughs> wow i did not mean to compare you to a holocaust clown <laughs>
1: no, that's not an but... insult in comedy it's jerry lewis though i mean come on i mean
0: that's true the man's a little i'll be honest i never i never got it you know with jerry lewis yeah but um you know, you you understand comedy on a different level. You know, you know that I do, because you well, you're you're an expert at it. I mean, you've done your ten thousand hours.
1: That's crazy. Yeah, I never thought about it like that. Like, I could be an expert comedy witness at like a trial.
0: <laughs> yeah, clearly, he's not <laughs> funny. His timing you know, is it, off.
1: <laughs> yeah, like like I could as much as I've seen people like on TV shows and movies and court cases, and they call someone as an expert witness. Like they could ask me the questions of my bona fides, <laughs> and they would have to they'd have to swear that yeah he's yeah, yeah, yeah comedy expert. But but here's my problem, Brad, and this is a scary realization I had about a year or two ago. And I know we're running along here, and I probably got to let you get back to. I know you got a busy one kid in your house. It's probably <laughs> she she may have rolled rolled over. You want to go check on her. Right, yeah, she needs a new refill. Put the blood ox machine on her finger, make sure. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, I got four that are upstairs knife fighting right now. I don't care. (laughs) But they take care of each other, right? Well, yeah, (laughs) they take care of each other. Yeah, You like to think that. (laughs) One of my
0: coworkers tried to convince me of that. I said, "I, I think you're full of it, man. He's like, no, no, have he's got four and he's like the first for having one is way harder than having four. I said, no way. No, I don't not. believe it. Yeah.
1: No. A, a matter of fact, um, we had, when we had one, we were scared shitless and overwhelmed and oh my God, how are we going to do it? But as, <laughs> as the more kids arrive, the more experience you have as parents. So it does get a little smoother. Like yeah, when, you know, when we, when we got, carlin we had two now we've each got a kid in our hand so it's like a man-to-man coverage football wise so no matter what you got that one i got this one we can just body them up and, and handle this and then that third one comes and now you got a mismatch right oh, so now someone's gonna right. yeah. Someone's, now that's a, a big power shift but you're also you've had kids now for a good seven years fuck them we got this we can handle this extra kid <laughs> yeah right you're confident yeah, so you start getting that, and then you know all those plates spinning. They get by every now and then, but overall, you sort of, you've got it going. And then the fourth one comes and fucks you up. You have no answers for the fourth one. The fourth one runs free, and you can't stop. Oh, wow. And then you close down on the fourth one, and guess what? That first one, who's been dealing with your shit for thirteen years, now she's messing with you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Getting her revenge. Oh yeah, yeah. They, they overrun the gates at four. And then, and then there's oh, nothing wow. you can do about it. Now it's just it's their house. It's their house until they leave. The lunatics are running the <laughs> asylum, right? Uh, oh yeah. At some point, my revenge <laughs> is that I'm going to grow old in their houses, and they're going to have to bury me in their yard under a tree or something.
0: <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> we talk yeah, you about we're talking. You're about to s- you're <laughs> you about to say something before we got sidetracked with kids. About oh,
1: I I, I found out in a, in a very painful way that I don't have any hobbies. Really? Yeah, and I had basically been just sort of driven and solo and focused for so long on just that yeah. that that thing, and it overrid all of my priorities, uh, family relationships, <laughs> personal relationships, just sort of everything, that I mm-hmm. got to a point where I hadn't been fishing in twenty years. I hadn't, I hadn't ever done. You know, I I just I just realized that I didn't do anything for fun that wasn't comedy related, that wasn't. Oh, interesting. All my friends it were all mixed your up. with over whole identity, right? Yeah, just everything. Like, even just my side, like, for, for fun. Like, the closest thing was just that I go play golf with my buddies every now and then. But that's, like, two, yeah. three times a year. That's not a oh, hobby. Wow. Hobby feels like something yeah. you do a couple times a month, right? So, like, even my yeah. hobbies were work-related. Like, oh, open mic. Oh, yeah. So, for fun, I like to go do these jokes for free. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck.
0: You know what I mean? Well, you've always been a, a writer as well. I mean, I remember in Victoria, you had this sort of troupe, uh, the theater kind of troupe, and you guys would put on shows. Oh, that Victoria. was the—that
1: was some of the worst stuff I've ever done that was the most fun. The Buffalo Club is what that was called. The Buffalo Club, yes. But, I mean, do you
0: ever do stuff like that now? I mean, oh, you yeah. still well, I've writing?
1: Got, I've got, I, honestly, I've got about five dead trees worth of scripts and writing samples that I just yeah. sort of organized at my house and put, in, oh, I just sort of shed those like a skin uh, yeah. scripts and, and treatments and stuff like that. And who knows one day, one of them will hit or someone asks if I've got an idea on this, I've got something uh, I've got a hundred half finished, half done sketched out ideas. And, and I've got a, a whole I've got like a years of submissions for mad TV and setting it live a sketch writer, uh, stuff. Yeah. So I, I stay fresh and try to keep writing all the time. That's probably at some point sooner than later, uh, me performing as a live standup comic is going to, it's either going to go all the way. It's either going to, I'm going to hit a fulcrum here pretty quick and figure out which way this yeah. is going. I hear you. Right. But I think long-term, my my best hope of career is going to be as a writer and just hope that some of the, th- some of the things I'm writing uh, I can actually get a look at, you know?
0: Yeah. But do so, you see, when you talked about not having hobbies, do you not see, is the writing just sort of an extension of your creative kind of force or I, is it...
1: It's all wrapped up, man. For me, it's all the same yeah. thing. Like, it's all the same, mm. like, just blasting output no matter which i mean no matter if it's uh, writing jokes uh performing jokes is its own form of writing too it's it's not just the words you say a lot of modern comics are just people standing there looking at a notepad saying something out loud and thinking that counts uh, that's at yeah. best 50 percent the delivering of a joke uh the acting out of stuff the the performance aspect of it is also hard to navigate and write but all of that Everything, sketches, scripts, fuck all of it. Uh is none of that's hobby, man. Hobby is the shit you do that's not related to work, right? Isn't that supposed to be what it's right. be like? It's that weird thing you do that, that doesn't make sense. Like, you know, you got some guy with a high stress job when he gets done, he likes to go home, sit in his garage, and and paint beach scenes on the side of broken <laughs> surfboards. That's a fucking <laughs> hobby. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah,
0: We got got to get you a hobby. So have you acquired any (laughs) since you came to this realization?
1: I've been looking for something like kind of, I I guess, you know what I I would say I've gravitated toward is gardening. But that's a little bit out of necessity because we just bought a house. So I have my own yard for the first time. So I can't have it looking like a crazy homeless place also because we've got a corner yard so i can't just hide between two houses with a shitty yard i got fucking yeah you guys are
0: out there in the woodlands too you gotta keep up appearances right you
1: know i gotta keep up with the fancy people here (laughs) that's right (laughs) so i've gotten into that and that's been and forgive the pun it's been very grounding you know oh Um, sure no i get that i spend in time traveling for years, decades, hopping through hotels and couches yeah. and airplanes and ships and shit like that to be home and to uh, be able to take care of my own dirt and grow things is like I felt the best I've ever felt in the last two years. Being well, able that's to primal—that's
0: that. what we're, you know. I think. That's our natural state of being. It's not being in some tin can in the air, you know, yeah. <laughs> shooting not across right. the, the nation. It's about, you know, getting your hands in the dirt, planning and watching things grow, you know, tending to the to the home, you know, yeah. just especially when you've got, you know, kids like you, like you want to, I don't know, you want to make make something better for them. Show them how to do that stuff too, right?
1: Well, Brad, it's going to get carried away. I just need some time in the yard away from them, okay? And everything's got to be some sort of fucking teaching moment for these kids. They're fine. They go to school for that, okay? They got tablets. They don't need me showing them. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Well, that shows
0: the difference. Like, I I romanticize it, you know, because I just have the one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, it's all Hallmark moments when you got one kid. Oh, it's all (laughs) fucking Mikey ads when you got one kid.
0: I can't imagine being, you know, a kid right now and being stuck in a house like, like everyone is. Yeah, you, know, you can't tough. even go to the park. Have they shut down Houston? Like as far as, you know, uh, what do they call it? Shelter in place or something like
1: that? Yeah. They did the shelter in place uh, in Houston a couple of days ago. And we live in, on the north side in Montgomery County. And they okay. just set that up for us tonight. So this is at oh, midnight. Yeah. We go into shelter in place curfew. So like from midnight to 6 a.m., Isn't that crazy, dude? We live in a world with a fucking—I can't even wrap my head around it.
0: Yeah, it's uh. Well, I used to watch *Handmaid's Tale*, and I would say, man, that's so crazy that they've got just people walking around with guns. You know, martial (laughs) law, and they're already sending out National Guard to some states because people just can't stay home. They got the FOMO,
1: so (laughs) they have to have
0: a (laughs) they gotta have a gun shoved in their face before they'll stay home. Dude, it's fucking
1: nuts. It's nuts. It's it is, nuts. yeah. I but, don't know what the oh, you know who I feel horrible for. Is uh, that seniors in high school? Oh, they're basically yeah. about to lose their senior, the final semester of their senior year.
0: Oh that's man, like where
1: everything happens.
0: Yeah, that's what you've worked your whole life for. Is finally you can go to that party, you know, or parties, yeah. you know? or just the
1: whole the whole, the whole process of their final semester of school.
0: Yeah yeah it's such a crazy. huge chapter in your life, you yeah. know and now it's just don't... like
1: whatever grade you had, ah, fuck it, you're good,
0: yeah, <laughs> you don't ever get that like sense of uh you know closure, you don't get the pomp <laughs> and circumstance, you know what I mean
1: yeah. it's fucked up yeah. it's yeah, it, it's it like it's one of those you know the you know the tree rings, right like the the rings mm-hmm. of a tree yeah. for every year, right, this is gonna be like. And when they show in those big, you know, saw cut log, you know, the the cross cut where they're, oh, this was 1784. Right here is where Nixon was and all that. This, the 2020 (laughs) ring is just going to be completely fucked up, like messed (laughs) up and chunky in some places and you know what i mean like it's like what happened that year it's like oh nothing happened we we didn't get our we didn't get our normal rites of passage the things that happen every year we had no saint patrick's yeah. day we had no baseball season they stopped playing basketball all of a sudden
0: you know mm-hmm.
1: it was like we, we college football or college basketball dude just the fact that march madness didn't happen yeah that had, that's 80 that's, fucking that's years insane. that's been going on that's been a you set your fucking watch by the kids are running in the gym for the next three fucking right. weeks that didn't even happen yeah it's crazy it's crazy so, and then all the school stuff that's being canceled now i mean it's just gonna be oh, a yeah. strange generational blank spot
0: yeah you're right yeah this is how a, we're gonna
1: deal with this shit
0: we need the jokes john we oh yes out a way to- <laughs> oh, thank you thank you brad for reminding me of my civic
1: duty I'm not letting you off the hook (laughs) That's right I'm going to send you a a gif of of Jerry Lewis as the Holocaust Clown So every time you you ask me to do my civic duty To bring laughter to the people I want you to see what I'm thinking of I want you to see the the spooky, sad Jerry Lewis Holocaust Clown (laughs) 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 Oh my god Brad, hey, I, You're like, I feel, I feel like, uh, I feel like we've we've talked so much about me. I feel like I've hogged this whole thing, and and pointlessly well, you so. know, no, no,
0: no, that's that's what I do. You know, I, uh, I, I ask questions to keep from talking about myself because every week it's just me talking about myself. You know, <laughs> I'm in this room <laughs> talking, and uh, it gets a little. Uh, I don't know, sometimes it gets a little weird, you know? And so anytime I have someone on, I, I have a tendency to just, you know, really, I want to know every their story because everybody I've had on uh, has always been super interesting. I don't really do many interviews, but um, good friends are always the best ones to have.
1: Well, I'm sorry to break that so. streak of interesting interviews. That was, <laughs> that's a shame. I'm going to wear that like a badge of honor, a dishonor. <laughs> No,
0: no. I'm I'm very I'm very glad that we did this. I'm glad you yeah, uh you know gave me the call. I guess something good came out of uh this whole craziness because I've there is. the second person I've talked to on the phone this week. That's Yeah, it's crazy, right? Rare.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh pick up the phone. I think it's going to it's a good regression. It's going to make us break a lot of our our unhealthy uh social addictions. You know, yeah. it's going to make us get off text and, and just sort of surfing dumb shit. I feel like it's a, if, it, if it washes us of a lot of that, I think that's better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Down to, down to meaningful gonna be some, stuff.
0: Right. There's going to be some chances to grow from this for sure.
1: Right, um, like declutter. Maybe. It feels like declutter to me. Right. Like this is a good chance to clean out your shit in, yeah. in all forms. You know what I mean? Like trash, clean it up, things you don't need, things that aren't making you better, just fucking get rid of it.
0: We're we're gonna Marie Kondo ourselves out of this thing. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: right. Does it bring you joy? <laughs> and then fuck it. <laughs> there you go. And she probably says it in a nicer th- way. She probably says then let it go or release it. I would be the oh, consultant. That says, have you not fuck watched it? it. <clears throat> oh, I've seen some of it. I've seen oh, like okay, the, okay. the clips. Yeah. I've seen I've seen what we call she, in comedy enough to make fun of it.
0: Uh, I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. She actually wants you to hug like your shirt before you toss it away. Like thank it.
1: <laughs> oh, you get to like. <laughs> That's not a bad idea. That, I would probably throw more shit away if I got to say goodbye to it.
0: Yeah, like that. that was like, her thing. Like, you part as friends, you know, you know, just toss it in the trash. You you thank it for its service.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, then- will you come on my podcast and and just talk about silly stuff? Because mine's gonna, you know, mine's comedy based. You're you're like a, a man of knowledge. You 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 bring lessons to the people. I don't think I am going to do that. I am going to need your help to, to bring some laughter to the people, uh, Brad. So I am going to ask you to come on. You are going to you have to come on and do my podcast one of these days too. But when we come back next time we talk, we're going to talk yeah. about Aerosmith. Oh yeah, the we saddest that story day ever.
0: Let's it really save was. It.
1: Let, let's save it till then, okay? Let's not. I agree. We got to save That's some a of a our dumb, juicy shit thing. for the next one. Yeah, <laughs> that was there was a lot of a lot of pain and life and and death in that story. Did we steal a newspaper from the ZZ Top drummer's uh, house or something on the way back from that? Or at least we said we stole it from someplace and just said, let's imagine that was the guy's house or something like that oh gosh i forgot all about that yeah we we, (laughs) there was something
0: to that (laughs) i don't remember the details because it's been a lot of brain cells ago it was
1: sad and desperate it was it was sad and desperate (laughs) of just the fuck you fuck this we drove all the way there which i now live a mile away from where we went by the way oh no kidding yeah i drive by that's crazy that that spot all the time so you have to relive it
0: on an usual do. basis, I do. But let's, <laughs> oh. shh,
1: shh, shh. let's not give away. The okay. story—that was a perfect amount of tease. It was a there perfect. Uh, on the next, John and Brad.
0: Yes, we're <laughs> gonna pre-sell it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know the
0: rule: once you pre-sell something, you gotta deliver on it. So now we have to do. Hey, it. you let me know. I've got a lot of spare
1: time. Yeah, no, I, was, I was gonna say a, a lot of it's. <laughs> I got some gardening to do. <laughs> right, and then I'm gonna really <laughs> sit down. I'm gonna buckle down. I'm gonna bring some laughter to the people.
0: I like that, you Nazi clown.